Welcome to The Missing Link, a podcast where crypto and insurance come together. I'm Dan Roberts, and my co-host is Danielle Wall-Elliott. Whether you're in crypto, traditional finance, or in need of a new podcast, The Missing Link will help you explore the vital role that insurance plays in crypto and how blockchain will disrupt insurance. Join us on our journey to find The Missing Link. Oh man, um, the missing link, a missing link is really explaining how uh, non-sovereign decentralized money, what role that would play in, in a multipolar geopolitical world. A framework that separates decentralized protocols from those that are not. The first one for me is, is still clarity. And of course, like for me, honestly, the like from all businesses, that means regulatory clarity. The missing link in the industry to me is always still education. I think crypto is getting more efficient and I hope that in this next cycle that you know that's what we see. Modifying the world standard to embed insurance within itself so the yield itself would pay for its premium. You know everyone assumes that crypto is there as a, um, a tool for us but I think it's going to become more of a tool for the uh, wealth transfer between different AI systems that are employed by people. We need a lot more clarity from regulators. Yeah, like regulation across the main jurisdictions. So not only uh, Bermuda, Singapore, the UK, but also the US, and then kind of the high quality service providers to jump into the space. More people. I think we're we're missing still the wider, wider society recognizing that the assets are here to stay. The vast majority of human society doesn't understand the harm and danger and loss that is occurring through monetary debasement. Wow, 12 episodes in that uh, kind of compilation of everyone speaking, it, it gives me goosebumps. It makes me excited. So many amazing, epic guests in the industry um, that we've had on The Missing Link. And to just hear all their missing links kind of tied together like that, it's pretty incredible. A lot of, a few it themes was. in there as well. Yeah, I think it took us uh, eight attempts to cut it down as well. People uh, <laughs> people had many, many missing links, but it was yeah really cool to get a snapshot of um, some top folks in the space, what's on their mind, see the key themes. Uh, we'd love to dive in a little bit. I think we when we set out to do this podcast and we came up, I think you came up with the missing link. And I I loved that, that idea of like, okay, it's not super specific blockchain, but obviously blockchains have these links. And we wanted to highlight insurance as obviously something that we at Names uh, believe is missing in the industry for mass adoption. Um, but we started this podcast to think, well, what else is out there? Like we can highlight, uh, you know, what it is that insurance could bring to the space or what crypto could bring to the traditional insurance world. Um, but now we've been able to talk and have meaningful conversations with leaders in the space about what else really is the struggle um, that we face. Um, we talked to people yeah, at you, conferences. You that's it you you definitely have this uh it's just insurance and yeah. <laughs> surely we have you know risk mitigation and uh you know proactive and reactive risk mitigation in that kind of insurance structure it's also well thought through and thought out in an old industry that's got lots to offer then you know everything will will uh, will follow but yeah obviously you start to build up this very broad 3d image of multiple different missing links which 
has you know been fascinating to listen to but also gives us a real sense of where the space is and what problems we need to go out and solve throughout this year and and uh, there's you know so much going on that it seems like we have a a good chance of having a productive year of tackling those so yeah it's been a nice uh, reality check to to do a, a macro gauge on what work is still left to be done outside of our insurance sphere that we uh, we wrap ourselves in that's right and there's no surprise what the biggest one was not only with our guest but throughout the industry with conferences, webinars, things that we saw, lack of regular regulatory clarity um, mm. being probably the biggest, you know, missing link in the space. Um, so, you know, I, I want to ask you, Dan, to kind of elaborate on this. How can we work with regulators closely to ensure that we're getting not only, you know, sensible regulation, um, but that we can work directly with those who are making um, the regulation, the laws that we need to adhere to. Yeah, I, I think I counted five times it came up, and there was some some that said just clarity as well, and you know, so that may extend outside of regulation, but it wasn't very specific. Um, you know, and I think there has to be some credit. Well, there, there definitely should be some credit on the fact that I think in 2023, we did start to see some clarity in different ways. Um, there was certainly a great bit of progress made uh, with the UK. I know Policy Exchange brought out uh, a decent paper that really put a stake in the ground for you know the UK and you know, following, following big moves in Europe um, to that really just, you know, sentiment is important and that they were really putting their voice and position behind uh, this space, which, you know, let's face it, has struggled in the past and still to some degree with uh, PR images. You know, even companies are nervous about putting their voice behind this kind of technology and uh, different asset classes on chain. And regulators, you would think, perhaps rightly so, are, are even more risk averse. But some of the largest onshore jurisdictions are starting to, uh, you know, put their flag in the ground as as to how they see this as a huge opportunity for economic growth within uh, their economies. Um, I think another bit in the positive side was. You know, we certainly see this with the work that we do in Bermuda is, is vertical specific regulation. So not just regulation over digital assets, but over digital assets in insurance. Um, and uh, I know that a number of others around private credit and, and so forth are, are starting to see more clarity there. Stable coins, I think, are yeah. probably, probably up next. Um, so there's a lot of positives. We've just had the, the you know a lot of uh, Bitcoin ETFs approved. Um, so there's there's a, a move from the SEC that uh, that you know get a lot of criticism and have done so over the last couple of years. So yeah, there's definitely positives, um, but it doesn't mean that uh, there isn't a pace uh, and a, an accuracy that is still demanded and required from the regulators. Uh, because I think one of the comments I liked was more people uh, in that mm -hmm. summary. You know, there are a lot, lots of people moving in now uh, that come from traditional industries that require this uh, sort of clarity to uh, build these you know, services. We've seen such flaws in the past, and that's been because you can operate in this Wild West environment. And that, that seems to be changing. So, yeah, lots to discuss. I mean, we're seeing, you know, you see someone like Coinbase, Kraken, uh, some of those U.S. specific and centric companies that have tried so hard 
to work with the regulators and then just, it, especially in the U.S., and then just not finding that clarity. So then, you know, they're going to different jurisdictions. And I feel like that is such a trend uh, in this space. It's a, that's like global um, on-chain environment where we can operate 24-7. We don't have to think about borders, but then we do have to think about borders, especially in our regulations. So then uh, you do this like geographical gymnastics as a business to go and say, okay, I'm going to have an entity here. I'm going to have an entity there. Um, some of the uh, jurisdictions I was thinking of um, as like highlighting, you know, BVI has been very welcoming for tokens. So you see a lot of people kind of set up an, an entity there uh, to run that part of their business. You know, I think Singapore is attracting a lot of these DAOs. They're like, oh, we don't need an entity, but then you do need an entity. You want to set up accounts, you want to set up banks, you want to do anything. So, um, and then another one that sticks out is um, Hong Kong, you know, requiring insurance for exchanges. Obviously that one's cool for us. Um, it's It's neat to see you know, I think I forget where, but like some people saying, oh, smart contracts must be audited. You know, they're legislating this. You'd hope it just comes naturally in the industry. You'd hope that businesses are doing that and that people only want to interact with contracts that are audited and people only want to interact with that. And you want the market to kind of decide. But it is cool to see jurisdictions, you know, taking a step up and and making sensible legislation where it seems like they actually understand the technology and not just shunning it and seeing it as a competitor for their own fiat currencies and, you know, just kind of being like, no, this isn't happening. Um, I mm -hmm. think that's been super promising. It feels like you can go and piece together and find somewhere that wants to welcome you and your business. Yeah. And not just seeing it as a competitor to, to fiat currencies, but there seems to be a shift from trying to you know, back the technology into existing regulation. Yeah, uh, well, that's, a, that's I, a good point. Yeah, it's totally been the case over the last three, four years. We've seen how it's become much, much, much more bespoke. And that was another piece in the policy exchange paper, um, which was, yeah, just around the all of these very nuanced reasons for why updated bespoke regulation was needed and people are starting to get that and we see that firsthand with you know the expertise that comes into the regulators that we work with so it's, it's such a key point is that you know when the internet came out and was starting to achieve this kind of adoption you can't just come up with old laws to to do it and it's the same in in digital assets there's a new way and we saw with things like custody and and other arrangements, uh, reporting numbers, transparency, that the regulation didn't make sense. You know, the questions that you were asked were like, not the securities even the act right of questions. 1933 is <laughs> governing these on chain assets. Exactly. So that, that it, yeah, there's a general good feel. And that's, you know, if you asked us two, three years ago, it would be a very different sentiment. So, you know, we got to pat ourselves on the back for uh, and the regulators over the last couple of years. Um, let's see where it goes. Fingers crossed. I don't typically pat regulators on the back, but <laughs> I know you're in a good mood. Or something, that I but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch. And it does seem to be a global conversation now where there's an openness of, OK, well, you know, it's here to stay. So let's do it in a way that uh, that works. And we've got to be cautious that, um, yeah, we're going to come up with against all the same 
you know, the same incentives and, uh, you know, negative sentiments and old attitudes and things. And uh, But good progress seems to be going on. Um, another theme that I really enjoyed in The Missing Links that we've just heard is this almost... Um, you know, battle between do we need more education or do we need the tools that we have now to just be better suited, better UIs, easier flows uh, to, to be used by the masses? You know, what gets the masses using these things? Is it constant, rigorous education? You know, everyone's taking the, uh, you know, the Ethereum course and, you know, <laughs> all of that. Um, or, or is it more that, you know, do you need to know about the intricacies of how the internet works to use Facebook? No, you you know, it's very intuitive. Mobile phones went from these encumbersome, you know, devices to, well, you just press on the screen. I remember, you know, teaching my grandmother how to use a phone and it was like press menu and she pressed on the screen. I was like, obviously the button below, you know, it's, it's become so easy that anyone can use it. You know, that to me seems like not that education is obviously not, required but we can still build these tools in in really seamless ways where you don't even know you're using it yeah. uh, but you're benefiting from it i feel like it's a balance because the one thing that gives me the most hope and excitement is my nieces and nephews the young people around me when i yeah. talk to them about crypto when i talk to them about digital assets they don't have any preconceived notions about, well, money's supposed to be this way. You know, there's yeah. that clip where um, I love crypto people always share it. It's like Burger King started accepting a visa and they're mm, like, yeah. why would I use a credit card to pay for a burger? <laughs> you know, yeah. there's definitely, you know, you fight the biggest battle with people who have done it a different way. Right. And so we almost like I have so much hope and excitement for uh, young people to start really adopting it and they they're gonna be like duh like everything is digital yeah. like I, of course i can send money to someone across the world that i talked to or i've met on tiktok or anything like that so i think yeah. you know i want it to be smooth and and useful obviously we need like a clean ui and ux to do it um but i think the education piece will won't be as big of a hurdle for the for the next generation yeah, I mean, you know, we had Eric Voorhees in the last episode there. Always great to hear snippets from him. You know, I'll paraphrase, but his piece was, you know, the, ma the vast majority don't understand the risk of monetary debasement. Mm. And there is a core um, message around liberty and, you know, self-sovereignty in the space. And I'm interested in how much of the population uh care about that or are educated enough about that to then care about it yeah. um you know we we all everyone knows how social media is like ruining our minds surely and <laughs> you know, everyone knows how uh facebook and these advertising models uh are kind of using us as the product but they're still unbelievably we still use it products yeah all, all the time mm -hmm. Uh, and you know the argument's almost so overdone that you you can't even bring it out with any any decent outcome anymore. And it's the same in this space. Like it's obviously captured a huge amount of the world's attention, and that seems to be getting bigger and bigger. But there are lots of reasons why you would want to use this technology beyond a you know very passionate. You know, I don't want to reduce it like anarchist kind of this is what is morally right, and you know there's a new way of designing money. Why wouldn't we uh, want to lean into that? Well, people don't want to think that their government has led them astray. People don't want to, I think they just don't want to assume 
assume bad intentions of people. And so they give people, they give their society the benefit of the doubt. And it's not until you have, you know, one of my favorite episodes this year was uh, Martin Karika uh, from Mountain Protocol. And, you know, him actually, like, when their money, like, when humans' money is actually not just like a little bit devalued every year and every day and all that, but week over week, you know, I think he said it was like 200%, you know, inflation just this year or like even at less than a year. So like mm-hmm. that's when it becomes a true problem where you actually can't store the value of what you're earning from your labor, from your work, then you're really taking notice. And so I don't yeah. want it to come to that in the rest of the world. Um, I hope that we are able to kind of realize it before that like shit hits the fan moment. Yeah. And, you know, back kind of to the education bit is that, you know, on your point of like, you have to feel the pain to then really search it out. And if, you know, if things are kind of working for you, are you going to pay attention? You know, we work with lots of insurance businesses and insurance folks. And, you know, let's face it, there's not a huge amount of innovation, you know, that can get you super excited in the insurance world, to be honest. Um, But the technology does feel like you just need to use it. Like if we, we spend a lot of our time doing education and explaining what we do, and sometimes that makes people feel like it's more complicated than it is. And yeah. when you start using these tools, um, you know, we'll, we'll you know, we, we, we'll, we'll get to an announcement later about base, but you start to see the way that you can go into other environments where tools that have been built over the past decade are, are now in a really good position for lots of different users. So, yeah, definitely lots of great progress. And I, you know, the final one I wanted to pull out, which was mentioned twice. Um, you know, we started with the probably the most boring but surprisingly interesting area of regulation. Uh, we had two mentions that we might not be uh, as humans the biggest users of digital assets, uh, but AI is now a force to be reckoned with. That maybe using digital assets as a transacting currency. I think that was Dan mm-hmm. and Eric. Yeah, that seems to be a number of uh, more episodes uh, of The Missing Link to dive into that general topic. But who knows what's coming up in that whole space? It seems like this could be uh, an asset class that is the only asset class that can be used by uh, by machines instead of people. I, I'm not quite sure if I have an opinion on whether it's that's a that's an exciting thing or a terrifying thing yet. But um, it was interesting that that came up not once but twice. AI had a big year in 2023. Do you see that carrying over just as much in in 2024 or more? I think there'll be more than there was last year, but it loses the newness. So, you know, it's like if you announce that you can have a conversation with uh, with a a chat GPT and and it comes back with pretty interesting results, you can now do that with images. The images are getting better. You know, that's just touching the surface. You know, the, the, from zero to that, and there's been lots of AI stuff in the past, but that really was kind of a real new, uh, there's, a, there's a novelty to that. Again, yeah. not to reduce it. Uh, this year, we'll continue to see it. But it's crazy how people get so, like, used to these things so quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I'm seeing it pop up it. in now, like, every day, like, tools that I use every day. Mm-hmm. Google search now gives you a quick AI blurb and you know, Canva, uh, something like that will say like magic right, right in it. So I do think I almost, what you're saying is like, there's like a newness and a novelty, like go to this specific place and use it. But now it's just going to be like better integrated in all the tools that we use. And you almost just like expect it. 
in yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah. We 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 get so, we're so you know used to anything and everything in this this day and age. I think so. Yeah, we've lost the novelty of like whoa, you know, all the possibilities. But it'll continue to be used for sure, and and continue to get better. Well, if it uses crypto and can help promote the mass adoption of crypto, I I praise you, my AI overlords. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah. Shout out to the Daniel Suarez book uh, called <laughs> Damon uh, and Freedom is the sequel. Fascinating read if you're interested in the overlords of the AI uh, world uh, really would recommend that. Um, that was that was my best read of 2023. Um, well, so speaking of missing links, uh, starting with you, Danielle, a question is, what is your missing link? And you can't say insurance. <laughs> okay, well, I think, you know, I'm probably going to give like two that I think relate, but, you know, the first one is just time and maturity. Um, you know, I first got involved in the space in 2014, you know, about to celebrate 10 years since I uh, bought my first Bitcoin. And I just remember thinking that it would catch catch on a lot faster, especially just in the terms of like payments. So like, I thought people would be paying for their coffees and paying for things, you know, with Bitcoin. I thought that that would really I don't know. It just seemed like that was the hype. Like it's like, oh, this is this problem that it solves, like a, a great like dollar replacement. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you get the development of Ethereum, you get these stable coins, you kind of see, wow, it, it expanded way past what I ever could have conceived or imagined, but it's still maybe not quite in that um mass adoption phase that I that I probably had thought it would be, you know, in 2024, which seemed so far away. So mm-hmm. I think just like time and maturity. And then that kind of leads me to this next one of, I want to see self-custody solutions. I want to see this technology being used um, in its full power. I think if we're just using crypto and we are almost what you said about the regulation, like if we're trying to fit it in these old boxes and just recreate what we have, but Mm -hmm. say it's blockchain, say it's digital, you know, I have concerns about the um, CBDCs. I have concerns about, you know, having something else happen like an FTX. You know, that was such a black eye on the industry. That trickled down to so many businesses, even if you didn't have funds on FTX. You know, mm-hmm. it just has been such an uphill battle since then. And I would love to see us really dive deep into what this technology can truly do. So yeah, get a hardware wallet. Don't just put all your money on a exchange. I think they have their place, but we have to be sensible. And that goes to that education piece. You know, we have to know what it is. Like if you're going to, I always love saying this to, you know, I, my dad owned a comic book store growing up. And so, you know, Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that that's so key in this crypto world. So yeah, I just want to see us mature, I want to see the bad actors get out of here, people that just want to recreate more of the same. And I want us to really um, adopt these principles of decentralization, self-custody, you know, really being our own bank, owning our own assets. Love it. Yeah, we'll try and, condense, try and condense that down. Oh yeah, uh, put that uh, put that in the word. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's great. I think I would say too as well. The first one is I, in a way, and I don't want to sound naive here, but would love a you know Men in Black reset on uh, you know PR and you know the general image of the space. Yeah. Uh, you know, a clean slate there, which is you know it's a hypothetical, but it's really just to say 
a lot of the mess and bad, uh, you know, bad actors have been normal problems that you see in the centralized world. This is not, you know, specific to crypto and actually goes against what the core of the technology is trying to avoid. You, you might argue that because of the, the lack of regulation you allow for some of this bad, act, it's a space that allows for the bad acting. But, um, you know, I, I have conversations on a weekly basis of people saying that, you know, it's still just used for drug money or something. And it's like, it was so far yeah. beyond that now. So there needs to be kind of a, a reset and and therefore a highlight of the obvious benefits of uh, of the day. Um, Maybe we need know, some like good movies on like the successes or something. I don't yeah, know. So, I know like, something that like go into culture, you know? Always some the crazy, songs. yeah, things that went wrong and um they make for better documentaries or dramas unfortunately yeah uh, we need some comedies and uh, uplifting <laughs> um and then yeah i think the second one which is a little bit to your point is and we deal with this in the insurance world is how can we integrate regulatory legal processes with technology in a way that it doesn't dampen the technology's utility yeah. and a cool innovation that we're starting to see more and more of, but I would love to see widespread of this is your KYC attestations where you can use even a DEX, uh, you know, a decentralized exchange in a KYC way. You could almost have DEXs that are purely decentralized, but still abiding by the laws that are required of centralized exchanges uh, because you can only use them if you meet the certain requirements that a centralized exchange would require of you right. um, and you're starting to see that across you know small companies as well as these larger businesses working towards that uh, on a retail level and an institutional level i think that's a great uh missing link um but and also it's just an unbelievable burden in the user experience uh, is that KYC onboarding type flow. I think there's a couple of models out there that are really interesting and, and someone getting that really clean and really right and that becoming a, a mass adoption. You know, it feeds into your your sovereign identity as well. You know, yeah. go and KYC yourself to the level that you are as your digital identity and that allows you to use the services that are, you know, in the decentralized world. Um, I think it would even be yeah, cool to have, you could have multiple addresses have different identities. We're talking about this idea of like integrating AI, like couldn't you have almost like a credit score? You know, you, you've seen that I've used these different services. I've paid my money back. I've paid on time, you know, yeah. where it doesn't even have to be, I don't know, like tied to me, Danielle Wall Elliott, but like I could have three different crypto identities that don't even have my name, but I've built up a reputation and a trust. Um, you know, I've never interacted with, say, blacklisted addresses. I've never interacted with things like that. I think that could be a cool um, next phase of identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember similar things being spoken about, uh, you know, really early on, some of the promise of the space. And it's cool to see that, you know, so a certain amount of problems have been worked on now that we can get to some of these, you know, bigger picture uh, pieces that that the initial introduction of this technology brought. Um, so, yeah, who knows what's to come, but I, I'd say KYC attestations and uh, a man in black zapper. That's my that's my cut. I love it. All right. Well, we have to talk about insurance. We have to talk about names. So mm -hmm. we're so excited for, you know, this year. Um, ahead. And one thing that, you know, we think that is still evolving in this space is both 
the insurance coverage of digital assets, um, smart contracts, you know, that whole, the whole space. Um, and then also how can the insurance industry tap into this alternative source of capital? How can we as crypto holders get more yield um, by investing in insurance as an asset class? And so, you know, Dan, will you give us an update? What's new at names and what are our plans for this year? Yeah, I mean, I think a great milestone for names last year was our secondary trade. Uh, it really, A, was kind of the final flow uh, that we kind of needed to tick off, but B, it encompasses the whole utility here, which is introducing insurance as an asset class with liquidity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the idea is you can be a specialist fund that's looking to back these kinds of risks, hold them for three, five, 10 years. It's a great asset class. Some of the biggest hedge funds in the world become the biggest reinsurance companies in the world. Um, but you can provide liquidity to another cohort of investors who want access to this asset class. It's uncorrelated, actuarially priced, diversified, real world nature. Uh, but they only want access to it if there's a certain level of liquidity. Maybe they want to commit to a program that's priced over five years or even one year, and maybe they'll be there for that length of time, but maybe they won't, and they need that option. You can't yeah. commit up front if you have to be there for even one year. So that's something that doesn't really exist in the traditional space, and this technology and the you know the way that we've we've modeled it with the regulatory and legal side is is really allowing that. So yeah, it's for us, it's not just about those two pieces you mentioned of you know insurance in digital asset risk or a new source of capital in digital assets for the insurance sector but it's also an opportunity for the traditional world of capital to access this risk in a way that either provides them liquidity or they can benefit by providing the liquidity um and that whole it, it, that whole model came to to a head last year for us it really shows that you can put these real world assets on chain tokenize them and then you get that tradability um you know you get that full I, I can just see the benefits like insurance is obviously our what we're working on but i can just see the benefits for so many real world assets so mm -hmm. it makes me so excited for this whole space when we mm -hmm. see hey it actually worked the thing that we have been trying to do actually worked people saw the benefit you know mm -hmm. both people came out ahead the person that you know, needed to sell their tokens and the person that bought them. So it's just like, wow, you know, we really, we really are delivering on what we've said we're, you know, going to. Yeah. And it, it doesn't say that insurance as an asset class can, can now be just as liquid as equities. Uh, it just means that because you have the ability to trade in a minute, at, you know, tiny, tiny commission, uh, there's a new model for specialist funds, for market makers, for hedge funds to engage in this kind of uh, this kind of asset class now. So that was a really cool thing for from last year, as a major part of our, our growth this year. Um, we just today, actually, uh, at the time of recording, announced our launch on Base. Uh, so the layer two uh, from Coinbase. Uh, really excited about that. Great demographic of users there. Um, there's lots of institutional focus uh, and uh, you know specific specificity that we can uh, work on over this year um you know we have our first program going live on base which is uh, an industry loss warranty is this catastrophe risk um and you know there's a great suite of tools there for your again your traditional folks that don't uh, understand the technology you know this stuff isn't one year old anymore it's really been worked on and and, uh, and perfected over a good period of time so we're excited to be on base um 
Well, shameless plug, where would someone go to, uh, you know, participate in this and what type of returns are they looking at if they do? Yeah, so I mean, for the ILW, it's uh, an 11% return. Most of our programs are that kind of, you know, mid to high teens is the kind of joke that we hate. But yeah, it's a it's a 12 to 18 normal distribution of returns, um, you know, potential for not just your insurance returns, which gives you that range, but uh, but you know, the, the nature of insurance is that you can earn investment returns as well, market rate, et cetera. Um, so that's definitely to come throughout this year. You know, where to go, names.com. You know, we've built the application. It's all very accessible there. You can onboard yourself and and go and assess these different programs. So uh, definitely come and say hello uh, at, uh, at our site. We're really excited for this year ahead. Uh, I think we've achieved a lot in a difficult, you know, a difficult year for the space, 2023. Uh, so it's a great happy new year to everyone. Um, a very big thank you to all of our guests that we had uh, that you saw a brief snippet of. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the the conversations that we had and, and hosting with you, Danielle, of course. Thank you. Um, yes, I that was so awesome. I would get so fired up after each one of those episodes. I'd be like, oh, my God, that was so good. You know, so I hope I hope our guests have that same, you know, feeling after they listen or sorry, our listeners have the same feeling, you know, after they they listen. Yeah, do feel free to reach out. You know, who do you want to hear from? We're going to be a bit more specific around topics this year. So not just diving into the guests and their backgrounds, but specific topics so we can go a bit deeper in those different areas. AI taking, you know, hiring us all um, <laughs> and otherwise. Uh, but yeah, it's been a great year. We're excited for 2024. Listen uh, out for the next episode. Thank you and happy new year. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, everyone. We're one step closer to finding the missing link. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast and be sure to come back next month. Until then, we are the missing link.